And now, it's time for the show, This Old Dungeon. That's right, Dungeoneers. You've hit another episode of This Old Dungeon. This is the November episode. And, uh, you know, we're we're pulling through by the skin of our teeth, uh, whatever that means. But uh, it, it's, it, it, it's a skeletal crew tonight, guys. You got me, Lou Alu. And me, Edwin. How y'all doing? Oh, man, it's, uh, you know how it is, folks. Uh, Thanksgiving, uh, all, all the conventions, all the getting ready for Thanksgiving. Uh, Too Bill's, much fun. Yeah. For those of you putting pins in the map, uh, Bill's been like five different places this month and is currently flying home. Uh, might make it in to catch us at the very end of the recording. But uh, yeah, I'm not I'm not going to put any money on that. We'll hopefully have <laughs> him in uh, our December episode. But until then, uh, yeah, we can make good conversation, can't we, Edwin? We can sure try. <laughs> try. See try what we can do. Word. Uh, so what's been going on in gaming? Um you know, just just pick your top five because uh, you know I know you got like twenty <laughs> I don't games go going on, on too long. Uh, let's see. So we finished up uh, an adventure in Skype of Cthulhu, um, a crazy, a crazy thing that took us to some other plane. We're traveling through television sets. Oh wow, that was pretty fun. Um, and uh, I think so. Actually, we're, I'm about to start two new games with them. One on our Sunday cycle and one on our monday cycle so that'll be starting up next week i've chosen uh a little known uh 1920s author uh dame agatha hmm. as my character uh, she wrote some <laughs> some a couple mysteries uh back in the 20s 30s 40s 50s and 60s uh, <laughs> so we'll see how that goes she's a member of a uh an esoteric club in uh, in London, and I think we're playing in 1926, 23 or 26. I think it was 26, right after her uh, first novel was uh, accepted. So I'm kind of I don't know. It'd be kind of fun. Nice. Uh, has the, the the adventure has absolutely nothing to do with with her. I just chose her <laughs> as a character. Um, so I, the, I take it then uh, you're you're not running it. Uh, no. It, and you said there's two different cycles. Are, are the are the two cycles separate storylines then? Yeah, the so Monday we have a okay. yeah. We typically have a game that runs every Sunday and a game that runs every Monday, and uh, some people are playing one or the other, or both. And I have not yeah. been playing on the Sunday game for a while because we were doing a game that I had already played. Actually, that was the Sunday game for a long time. Was the um, man? I always want to call it uh, Impossible Landscapes. Okay. Uh, which I was playing with with Sean, so I wasn't playing it with Skype okay. of Cthulhu. So um, do you do you keep the same characters on both uh, dates if you do play no. both? No, okay. No, we almost never. We've had very few. That's actually something we've talked about, and I would love for us to do more of. But we've done very little character continuity. We basically mm -hmm. make new characters for every adventure or use pregens. Um, for a while, it we had... really is very love Lovecraftian. Then <laughs> it's like right, yeah, yeah. everything's its own thing, you know. Yeah, we so. talked about like we did a few episodes, a few adventures that were in the same decade, and they were in and around New England and Arkham mostly. And for that, we had chosen to keep the same characters. And I would kind of like to get back to that because it is fun to to be able to have more context more history mm -hmm. more jokes within the characters <laughs> as opposed to the players you know to sort yeah. of remember 
uh, who's done what. And also, of course, you start to get, even though Call of Cthulhu doesn't have any leveling mechanism, uh, you know, you might learn a spell or two, or you might improve a few skills. 2% is 2%, man. You know. Exactly. You got a 5% chance of something or other. And um, so... Now, of your yeah, that, group, are, are you the only one that's actually kind of in that New England area? No. Okay. Uh, so there's another guy in Maine. And then uh, there's a guy who used to be in California and is now in Massachusetts, although he hasn't been playing a lot recently. And then, yeah, the rest were spread out, um, I think, as well, as far as Australia. We oh, got wow. one guy in Australia who plays at like, you know, one in the morning or whatever. <laughs> and then a guy in Costa Rica. Um, so yeah, we're, so there's a few of us New Englanders though, which, which is kind of fun. It's kind of yeah. fun to play. I've run a couple games that took place in Maine over the years and that's always a hoot. So I think that's the bulk of it though. I've got, you know, the home game, the, oh, actually that's kind of interesting. So the, uh, uh, what's it called? Our 5e game that's, um, Acquisitions Incorporated. Oh, okay. Um, we just got our roles in the company. So, or not within the company, within our um, franchise. So we had to choose, like there were eight or seven or eight roles available. And each one sort of comes with some weak, but vaguely interesting uh, abilities or powers or tools, features. You know, one person is that uh, keeps track of treasure. Somebody keeps track of kills and sort of lore. Uh, somebody is the the counter plotter, so they're really spying on the on the opponents or figuring out business stratagems or whatever <laughs> uh, publicity. And uh, that was sort of fun. So I think we're finally digging into the you know what makes this adventure other than a dungeon crawl, right yeah. yeah what makes it special like what yeah so really highlighting the uh the the business satire uh side of <laughs> <laughs> of the game so i'm uh, looking you, forward to see how that pays out you'd propose that you thought maybe at some level it goes on to where it's no longer about you guys shuffling through the the grunt work and all that but that you know, maybe it would get to where you're managing the people that are doing that. Do you still kind of have that hypothesis or do you think that's not the way it's headed or? I think it's still possible. We do have a few employees uh, now. We have a, a kobold and a goblin and a, and then one sort of experienced person who's actually running the show while we're out traveling. Uh, and I think as we level up in the franchise, we actually get to have more employees um so yeah and i think i mean they're gonna give us they're gonna continue i think to give us because it's you know it's wizards and it's 5e they're gonna continue to give us missions to go on but i think that we could certainly start setting up side hustles <laughs> that might be in part run in fact we had a yeah that might be in part run by our employees and then of course it's up to us and our gm if we start playing our employees sometimes <laughs> Right, you can't just roll dice for them. You want to actually, because yeah. I feel like as players, we kind of still want to go on the adventures. And so it's a question of whether it's yeah. our main characters that are going on the adventure or our, our secondary or tertiary characters. Huh. Oh, and then, uh, so we're in the top five still. Uh, we did get down to level seven 
of Stonehell, seven of ten. So that game is still going, and we're still diving deeper. Um, <laughs> we saved a bunch of cursed dwarves uh, by removing a cursed crown from one of them. Well, we first had to kill half of them because they kept attacking us. But eventually, <laughs> eventually, we saved the a few easily forgivable. Hey, it's only half. <laughs> only half. Eventually, we managed to save a few of them. That was kind of fun. Um, and now we're in a a level that has or an area that is full of different kinds of trolls and each kind of troll has a different thing that keeps it dead. And we don't know what those things, I mean, we're slowly finding it out, but so we've been doing these crazy experiments, you know, it's like where we find some <laughs> trolls, we kill them. And it's like, okay, I'm going to put acid on that one, holy water on that one. I'm going to put some a silver arrow through that one. I'm going to, you know, <laughs> And then what's it comes been, back uh, alive. <laughs> try something else. What, what, what's been one of the more interesting things you've had to do to keep one dead? Well, the first one we found, actually, we learned that wood, of all things, so they're, you know, vampire, wood steak. Um, so what do we have? We have wood. We have silver. We have, I think one of them is water, but we haven't run into them yet. We did some research. And I don't remember what the acid has done nothing well, then there's normal trolls, which, of course, fires fire is good for. Um, but, yeah, there's one other color of troll that I think we don't yet know. Um, but that is sort of interesting, just sort of thinking about it from a from our characters as scientists, as experimentalists or whatever, you know, just sort of because <laughs> I oh, one of, so the, <laughs> so we, we got down there. We attacked these trolls. We burned them. And then they came back to life and nearly killed us. And we burned it. We killed them again. <laughs> and we're like, okay, we're going to stuff them in the bag of holding. So, cause you know, then we're at least safe. So we took a few of them in the bag of holding and brought them home with us to the village so that we could work on them. You know, we tied them up, uh, brought them home in the village. And so then we spent, you know, our downtime uh, experimenting on those, <laughs> on that particular type of troll, which <laughs> was really, I mean, it's, it of course just really highlights the, completely malicious murder hobo nature of <laughs> we're just going to keep killing you until you stay dead <laughs> but, yeah that was pretty good what about you what have you been up to uh so uh playing wise we're, we're still getting through ravenloft we've officially <laughs> we, we took this like arc where we left ravenloft you had and a did big side other... quest right yeah, yeah yeah we did this big side quest where we went to uh levi combs tomb of the jungle bride oh, uh and awesome. did a mummy adventure and uh, then I felt as maybe a little bit of a tangent, but we went to uh, his other adventure, the uh, Howling Crater, where there it's okay. kind of set up like the hills have eyes. Uh, and then it also has kind of the uh, expedition of the barrier peaks worked into it. Kind of it's, it's kind of a mashup <laughs> of those two things. So we did that because that's what the, the game master uh, kind of had the wild bird to do. And now we've made it back into Ravenloft and we're kind of like, we, we, we got to hunt down some werewolves. And then after that, we're, we're ready. We've done all the monsters ready for the vampire. So uh, it's, uh, it's, it's getting towards the end. It's uh, we're all excited. Um, took this last week off. Uh, just everybody had different schedules going on. So I've been, uh, it's kind of an interesting thing. And, and I don't know if, if you've ran into this perspective because, you know, with your company, you guys do a lot of publishing with different systems a couple years ago. And I, and I think, think he'd be okay with me mentioning it because he's about to kickstart it but uh, I've, I've been doing some writing for levi and uh mm -hmm. 
he's getting ready to kickstart a, a game that I wrote, an adventure that I wrote called uh, uh, Assault on Witchgate 13. And uh, I wrote this thing like way back two years ago. And at the time he wanted it written for 5e. So I kind of did some research on 5e because it, it really wasn't my game of choice back there. I didn't know much about it. So I tried to tried to build it from the perspective of what I thought a 5e player would find challenging and interesting and all this. Uh, and with some of the tones of, of uh, well, I mean, because you have you have the SRD with all the classic monsters in it that, you know, yep. aside from a few <laughs> uh, right. that you can work with. So, um, you know. Obviously, this this game's uh, all about this this prison called the Witchgate that's run by hags, and it's like kind of a um, oh, it's sort of like the the prison of the gods. Like the gods say, oh, this this dude here, you know, we we want him dealt with or whatever, and they get placed into this prison that's kind of an ex- uh, inescapable place. And, yeah. uh, and and we'll leave it at that because I don't know how much he wants me to give away, but but long story short, so like it's run by hags. So I tried to work in all the different versions of the hags that uh, TSR had and and, um, had this like real sweeping kind of adventure, uh, something on the, on parallel with, you know, like, like something you would find in like a dragon lawn, something on parallel with uh, what you'd find in a dragon Lance adventure, you know, where it's kind of a a big, big arc, a big Big travel and all that. Yeah. Yeah. Epic. Cool. But then, you know, obviously a year ago, you know, had the whole OSR, uh, you know, uh, open license thing go down. down. So he wanted to pull out of that, and he wanted to uh, go with DCC as the rule set. Oh, well, so yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> uh, and, and and it you know it, it had some tones to begin with that were a little more gritty than what you would maybe find in a in a five E game, but it it definitely I had angled it towards a lot of the like exhaustion rules and things like that 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 mechanically were were yeah challenging for that and, and interesting for that. Um, so DCC a whole different set of mechanics whole different mindset you know it's, it's it's so much more like punk rock and, and a lot more grittier and a lot more <laughs> loose with the rules right i mean that's yep. is expected when you buy a dcc module there's going to be some fun cool interesting new mechanic in there just for that adventure um so uh i told him like yeah man you know i i know you got guys that'll take all the stat blocks and make them dcc but i just don't think that the the adventure is right for dcc that, that like you know it needs some major changes in tones and and i so so he's like okay man if, if you want to rewrite it rewrite it so uh <laughs> so i've been like going through and i i promised him i'd have it done here after break um but it's been interesting to me just like like a lot of people claim that oh the rule set doesn't matter that oh you could play any game in any system but um this particularly as I'm rewriting, it really hits home to me how much of a dramatic shift in, uh, in an adventure there can be, if you've got a different rule set to play with you're fine stuff like that. When, when you're going from five E to swords and wizardry or to all the time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, I, I'm i I'm a, I mean, I, I absolutely believe that with enough work, you can hijack any system to play most any kind of game. But I feel that if you are playing in the sweet spot of a particular game, it's going to be different than if you're playing in the sweet spot of a different game. And I think particularly if you're writing for a game that they are different. Yeah, that writing for Mm -hmm. 5e is different from writing for DCC or for Swords and Wizardry. We actually just basically decided that we were going to take 
and make an independent um, line editor, basically, for our old school essentials stuff, because we're just seeing that the things that that sing in 5e are not what sings in OSC and mm-hmm. that we're we don't want to be sort of short shrifting the folks that in either direction because the people who like OSC like it because of what it's really good at and the style of adventure, the type of uh, obstacles or um, whatever. Whereas the five E people are obviously looking for something different. Uh, You know, so we've had pretty good luck fairly easily going back and forth, you know, with castles and crusades and five E, although even there, there's some interesting things where, you know, castles and crusades is one that doesn't have a, a perception check or an investigation check really and it has a a um a belief that you know that the if the player says my character searches or if they say my character searches in the fireplace that they find whatever it is it's in the fireplace that's sort of the the ethos of that game and that's awesome but it means but it's not 5e right and so Mm -hmm. and so changing things you know, so I've been going back and forth with um, our guy who's doing the CNC translations. I'm like, okay, how how do we keep this interesting? Like, if part of the if part of what's interesting is whether you find a particular thing, and they're basically always going to find it, that's cool. How do we make something else? How do we put some, you know, something fun in there? How do we make it maybe more difficult to use, or you know, I don't I don't know. Um, so yes, I absolutely I, well because I mean you know my my start in uh, the gaming profession, so to speak, was doing rules translation stuff. Yeah, that so, was uh, that was for uh, oh man, what was Zach's first one? Uh, Venom and uh, uh, whisper. It wasn't so whisper and Venom. So that was me just giving him unsolicited editing okay. advice. Death and Taxes um, was that the death and death and taxes? I helped him write and and we worked on some rule stuff, but I was working for some other uh, independent folks oh, okay. and doing some. It was let's see, we went. I did some stuff from like Pathfinder to Swords and Wizardry, and then later I was doing some stuff. I did some Labyrinth Lord, um, and then some Five E. Uh, it was a lot of it was from Pathfinder. Um, and so it was one of the things I think about often, and you may have run into this with the DCC 5e conversion piece, although it's interesting to think which way it would go, is that I think of some some translation directions are about getting rid of information mm-hmm. and some are about adding information. So if I'm going from OSR to 5th edition, I'm adding in information. I'm bringing in some difficulties for uh, checks. I'm bringing in new checks. You got to categorize the types of damage. You got to types of damage. Exactly. So if the author hasn't sort of defined that as the translator, I'm actually creating things. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then obviously if I go, I don't know if it's obvious, if I go from 5e to Pathfinder, which I can't do, I don't have that skill set. But if I were (laughs) to, uh, I would be creating a whole other level of of knowledge of information and in the other direction, you know, when I went from Pathfinder to 5e or Pathfinder to Swords and Wizardry, it's mostly about deleting stuff, right? And that's one of the things, uh, you know, when, when I come to these 5e stat blocks that I've built up, you know, you've got all like the layer actions and all that sort of thing. Um, 
you know, the expectation for DCC typically is that you, your monster has like one, maybe two special powers and everything else is just like narrative and not like defined by rules or whatever. And, and that's, you know, that's a big thing. Like, like which of these layer actions or which of these forms of attack that it has, do I keep in and, and which ones uh, don't worry about it, you know? Yeah. Uh, interesting. So one of the so one of the things we're we're about to talk about, I imagine, is this crawl for the cure. Oh yeah. And, uh, <laughs> so uh, I've been thinking about what I'm going to run because we just got an email from Corey on that, and I decided today. And then I was trying to decide what system to run it in, and I was tempted to run it in DCC because, you know, that's sort of what the event is. Although I think there's actually no DCC this time around. Hmm. I don't really know. It's a bunch it, it of is cool quite stuff, possible. I know but... I, I'm doing MCC, and I think the guy that's doing this... the late, late, late show after me is uh, is doing, uh, I think, his own system, Neon Lords, because that's now being yeah. distributed by Goodman. So yeah, I don't know. It it could be because <laughs> I was, you know, one of I like one of the things I like about DCC as it relates to this sort of because this is a game. So so we're doing the thing, right? It's what it is, eighteen hours, sixteen hours. I don't know. It's a lot of gaming. Yeah, we'll, we'll pause pause here for full description. All right, for you folks that are just ignorant on the <laughs> subject, uh, on the 9th, there is the Crawl for the Cure. 9th of the, December. The 9th of December, yes. <laughs> don't have a, don't have to get a time machine. Uh, 9th of December, uh, Crawl for the Cure. This is the Ethernet version. They, they have the live version at Gamehole Con, raised over, I think, $5,000 this year. And and now it's uh, they're going to have this live on the DCC Mayhem Twitch channel, 9th of December from like... Uh, Oh man, now I 8 a.m. Eastern. 8 I think it's 8 a.m. Eastern to like 3 a.m. Eastern. I believe or... you're right. Yes. Yeah. Maybe even four, but I know at Maybe least even three. four. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, and that's broken up into, I think, three hour to four hour blocks of games. Three and a half hour blocks, maybe five GMs, five games, mm -hmm. maybe six. I think five. So you've got different game masters. Edwin and myself are going to be running some games, and, and there's uh, plenty of other guys that are that are more talented than us, I'm sure. Uh, and then here, we here. have uh, <laughs> all sorts of uh, uh, players, uh, a lot of celebrity players, um, you know, writers, uh, publishers, uh, uh, people that are just well known as as uh, gamers in the industry, and uh, then schmoes that are just our friends that want to hang with us. <laughs> so uh, you know, this, you know, not not that I'm any, you know. I, Schmoes like us. Schmoes like us. Schmoes you know, like us. That's actually the down. name of the uh, the event. <laughs> fact, maybe I'll just run that. Maybe I'll change my mind and just run schmoes like us, whatever that is. Uh, so um, you, you you can watch it. Obviously, that's you know fun, crazy. You know, it's it's uh, high antics, pretty silly uh, stuff going on. Um, but then you can also pledge, and when you pledge, you can kind of put in things. You can put in like little benefits for the players, or or antagonize them by giving the game master a little little fiat here or there, or, or some ideas to do. And uh, then you get put into a raffle. Uh, they draw names. You get some some awesome prizes. So it's just everything goes for the American Cancer uh, Society, the research for cancer, and it's just a great event. So that's what that's about. Now backtracking. So uh, what, what game were you thinking of running? So I'm going to run our new holiday game, which is called the Sunstone Ado. And it's an investigative game at heart, uh, although there's definitely some room for, for shenanigans. <laughs> Not a lot for shenanigans, but definitely for combat and some shenanigans. 
And so I was trying to, so I was thinking, well, maybe I should run it in DCC. And I was like, I don't think DCC is the right system. I mean, like, obviously I could make it work and we have awesome players and, you know, they would make it work. But I was like, I just don't think it's the right system for that, which is too bad because I do feel like DCC is, is the right system for the, or is a right system for the fundraising model mm-hmm. of allowing audience member and players to donate money to make stuff happen because it's it's such a swingy system yeah. that adding in extra powers or extra monsters or extra whatever doesn't really I mean it's fun. Yeah, it, it makes it's it it's fun like and trying exciting, to break it, silly putty, right? It just it just bends more, right, you exactly. know. Then, yeah. Yep. Yep. So yeah, um, uh huh. So what would uh, what 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 do you got as your as your second uh well so I am gonna run it in five E. Five E, okay. Yeah, not not because I necessarily think it's the best system for. I mean, it's it's not quite a a Call of Cthulhu game, but you know we're publishing it in Five E, so I I'm, I got to stand behind that. Uh, but we're also publishing it in uh, Castles and Crusades, which I don't think I quite know well enough to run. And well, like you were we, saying, it doesn't sound like there's a much of an actual system for running skills as far as like research and things like that, that might be pertinent exactly. to the investigation. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. So I think the five E has, has that, you know, mixed in nicely. And then we have a, a, an OSR version where it would just be, you know, explain what you do. And I think I'm actually though, my plan is to do it in five E, but with a fair amount of explain what you do instead of die rolls. Mm-hmm. Uh, so sort of running an old school, version of 5e but then when we get into the combat and get into the some of the the tricksier things uh, <laughs> i'll have the mechanics there to to back it up uh so yeah but it was but it was a, it was mostly yeah sort of that exercise of is is this system and the flavor of the adventure and the flavor of the fundraising game how do I, you know, how what what all seems right? <laughs> how to blend that down, yeah, I get it. Yeah, I had almost, I was almost thinking about just running. Um, I'm actually running Call of Cthulhu, and I was thinking, I really kind of wanted to run the haunting, and then I was like, well, everybody knows the haunting, and then I thought, well, maybe I could do the haunting as a Christmas adventure, you know, a, a haunted Christmas house, <laughs> and and I, and bring in. And then I thought, boy, that's going to be a lot of work to write that in the next two weeks. So, <laughs> Where's your sense of adventure? Come on, Edwin. And I thought, well, maybe I could just make it up as I went along because, you know, they're, they're just going to shenanigan anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, so so we'll see. But for right now, my plan is uh, is the Sunstone Adu. <laughs> Sunstone Adu. Adu. Spell that for me so I make sure I'm... I'm... Uh, A-D-O. A-D-O. Okay, okay. All right. Yeah, yeah. Just want to be sure it wasn't A space D E W. Ah, I gotcha, gotcha. A two. Yeah, no, this is actually it's funny because you know it's a it's one of those you know it's pretty simple, but we had two mistakes during uh, development where you know we had a wrong a wrong cover, and then we had some wrong uh, publicity art. (laughs) Keep going. No, no, no. It's it's, it's, it's just these few words here. We can get it right. Yeah, I'm, I'm uh, so Stefan Surratt was on a while back when we did the uh, Lost Caverns of uh, Sudjakoth, or however you say that. Yep. And he wrote a MCC adventure called The Technomancer of Candy Mountain. And uh, okay. so I'm running that. that. It's like Willy Wonka. And I think cool. my, my actual goal is to try to kill off the characters till there's one left 
and that guy's the winner. You know, the golden ticket oh, winner wow. gets the the candy oh, cool. mountain. You know, sure, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Uh, hopefully, some people donate money and try to help some of them or hurt some of them and and yeah. twist things around here. So, what time are you running that? Uh, so that game will go from ten o'clock until one o'clock. I have my home game at the um from six to nine six to ten yeah oh well Cause, cause you, run, you run in the morning don't you i'm running yeah i'm running at 11 30 a.m okay. um so and i don't i don't i don't think i'm bringing any players to the game i'm so we'll see who Corey uh rounds <laughs> up for me awesome well uh what why don't we move on into the letters to the homeowners association we just got a letter we just got a letter we just got a letter wonder who it's from my opinion is letter writer is a total wacko. All right. Should I read this first one here? Yeah, you've got a beautiful reading voice. Well, thank you. Um, John Williams writes, What's one movie you really love? If you could make a movie, but it had to be a mashup of two existing franchises, what would you make? For example, Gremlins versus Pee Wee Herman, R.I.P., Critters versus Transformers. He didn't write R.I.P. for these ones. Uh, Aliens versus Star Trek. Robocop versus Jurassic Park, etc. One movie that periodically brings me joy is Kung Pao. Enter the Fist. I often narrate. Wee pew. I don't know this. Is this? Am I saying it right? Uh, I believe so. Yeah. Wee pew. Uh, to myself when people are doing random things, and you can, and you can knot my face to your foot style. Is that a quote or is that a typo? Yes. Uh, No, that's a quote. Yeah. That's a quote. Excellent. Okay. Obviously I don't know this particular movie, but it sounds awesome. (laughs) Got to check it out. I think you'd like it. I do. I think I will. Uh, For my movie mashup, I'd probably make Gremlins versus Star Trek or Gremlins versus West Wing. I just think it'd be really funny having Kirk, Spock and Scotty dealing with the Gremlins, ripping up the Enterprise or to have the Gremlins versus West Wing or some other thing in DC. That would be good because there's a lot of history and sites that would be great for sight gags and may for the gremlins to cause <laughs> nice john oh man uh, what's movie you love so two movies i absolutely love that are both in the time travel genre is uh back to the future and okay, uh, yep. time bandits so i think it'd be great to have the uh the dwarfs from the time bandits take over the delorean and go have Ooh. mayhem in the uh in the whole <laughs> back to the future uh landscape there that's awesome uh, so my uh, my favorite movie is Casablanca, easy. And I did I wrote an adventure that mashes up um, Casablanca and um, uh, the oh shoot I just lost it the uh, well the African Queens in there, um, the uh, Maltese Falcon and the. The the lost mines the Solomon's, Solomon yeah Solomon's mine yeah the lost mine of Solomon lost Solomon's I can't uh, so it's it. just called Solomon's mines uh, Solomon's mine yeah okay yeah. that's it at least the book and, is anyway yeah that's they're uh, actually King that's a, Solomon's mines King Solomon's to be technical go. folks there you go yeah. that's some weird stuff like there's some trippy I, I, stuff in there I, uh, so H D uh, Haggard uh, or or H H what is it Haggard Ryder that's the guy's name. Um, I'm sorry, guys. I not, not preparing for this. My mind's not like settled on talking about this. But uh, so <laughs> he, he used to be one of my favorite writers. Probably still is in, in my top twenty. I mean, obviously, you got to understand when he was writing and, and some of the the concepts and terminologies and, and thoughts that he's going to put on the page are going to be a little, you know, ant 
but uh but just like i don't know there's something about the way he writes an adventure story that that, that grabs me and puts me right where i want to be king solomon's minds uh oh man i just love that novel just every yeah well i just I, yeah because there's some like i hadn't i don't i read it not that long ago i would say in the last decade and i remember being super surprised at how i guess how many different places it went uh-huh. and, and how you know, fast it gets you there and, and, and yeah. the weird characters it introduces weird uh, characters weird uh i mean like the, the the mine itself is there's some weird stuff going down have um, you ever read his book she she who so. shall not be named no. oh that's a good one too and it's it's actually i think there's three books that are tied into that but they don't it's not like a trilogy or anything like that but it's okay. it's like characters from all of them kind of touch into it but that's a good one yeah she well i just i'm uh i'm putting together an order uh from amazon you know to get my free shipping <laughs> and i need to add something so maybe maybe after we're done i'll uh i'll see if they have something there for me yeah. that's awesome um so- yeah so i think that's my uh but as a movie so it's interesting. He didn't actually ask us about what kind of game we would do as a mashup, yeah. but what kind of movie we'd make as a mashup. And what, what kind of podcast do you think we're running here, John? Exactly. We're stay on this topic. Is not we us. never get off topic. What are you talking about? What's going on? <laughs> movies. We don't make movies. <laughs> um, all right. So uh, if any of you all have any good ideas of movie mashups that you would like to turn into gaming, yeah. uh, feel free to send them in to thisolddungeon at gmail.com. That's correct. 1D, 1D. This 1D. old. This old. old. All right. Uh, speaking of 1D, here's three of them coming at you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, David DeGross writes, Good day, Dungies. I have been meaning to write in for the last couple episodes, but always forget until, ping, my phone notifies me that a new episode already came out. But this time I did it. I wrote in as soon as I got through episode 36. Good job, David. Uh, first, in response to the dungeon room, I think it would be cool if the treasure was in a chest just sitting in the middle of a huge old spider web with a tremendously powerful spider. Oriental Adventures had a monster called a goblin spider that could be lifted. And a whole bunch of spiderlings freshly hatched and crawling about. Maybe use the Sturge stats for these. This web would need to go over some strange pit, maybe boiling tar or the old standby of lava. Anyway, that's what I would like to see, a straightforward, you know it's going to be dangerous approach. Here's a new thing to consider. We'll come back to that. Here's a new thing to consider. How can you make a friendly encounter in a game that A, is interesting and engaging, and B, requires some clever thinking or skill use? Oh, and C, doesn't just get the PCs out of some sort of trouble or endow them with something useful they didn't earn. I get so very sick of games that are monster attack after monster attack after monster attack. But running into friendly NPCs often doesn't lead to any sort of challenge or use of the mechanics, which, even if restful, can be boring. So let's, where do you want to start with? You want to start with the NPCs or you want to start uh, with the spiders? Let's go up to the spiders first. Okay. So uh, I, I like that encounter. I think that's an interesting thing. Like, how do you get this chest out of the web? And across, especially if this, I'm assuming this is a huge web, like, like maybe, Enormous. you know, yeah, like 100 feet across, 50 feet it's across. It's, quote, the... huge old spider web. Yeah. I mean, right? Huge old. <laughs> yeah, it's got to be big. Big old, big old, huge I old. I really did. I love the idea of putting it over the pit or the tar or the lava because it means 
that if you burn the web, you lose the treasure. Yeah. Right. So I think that's, that is a very essential part because normally you get the spider in the web and you, you set fire to the lot and, you know, maybe you ruin the treasure, but you know, the gold's just going to melt or whatever. So that to me seemed like a fun, and I do like that idea of, you know, what you're getting into and that gives the players times to figure out their shenanigans. Like, what are we, Oh boy. All right. Let's let's you know GM goes and you know takes five so or we're gonna, ten while the we're gonna players... oil up Billy here and he'll be able to slide right. across the web. <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, I, I like the I, I also like the uh, the multi tiered monsters. I, I think it's fun mm-hmm. when you have that big monster that everybody wants to take down, but you also have these little ones you can kind of throw at them willy nilly. And uh, yeah, that's a, that's a solid and I, and encounter like the there, of, uh, David. I like the idea of these spiderlings attaching to you and sucking blood for a while. Like if using the Sturge stat uh-huh. minus the flying, or maybe maybe they're jumping spiders and you even just, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, because that that to me is a really nice add. Like rather than poisoning you or paralyzing you or whatever, they just latch on and <laughs> suck you dry. Um so then yeah, we get down so to the friendly encounters. Friendly encounters. So this doesn't quite answer the question, but it was something I was thinking of um, when I uh, used to write in more or less occasionally to uh, gaming and BS. And I got porn a libation th- here. Porn a libation. That's right. That's right. Pouring one out for this. Um, I had a, there were a bunch of topics that came up of like, you know, how do we use weather in, in gaming or how do we use this or traps? How do we use magic, whatever. And over the course of several months, I sort of came up with this, um, this framework. And so I'm thinking about the same framework in relation to how do we use in this case, uh, friendly PCs. And so I had five, uh, five things so one is to, to set or reset an emotional tone, mm-hmm. right? So that's, and then one is to modify the difficulty of some obstacle, make it harder or easier. One is to change the power level of the PCs. One is to demonstrate the mood of the world. And one is as a story hook. So he's eliminating from this, the change the power level of the PCs in the sense that he doesn't want us at least in terms of increasing the power They're not going to hand them the, the rod of many parts or whatever it is. Exactly. Here's yeah. your magic okay. sword. Go and do your thing. Yeah. And... But, uh, real quick, just so I, yeah. I can catch up with you, Professor. Um, <laughs> no, this is a very like you know collegiate thing to do. Like We're breaking it, it down. It and really I love it. I love it. Um, the one there about... Um, oh, my goodness. Now I just forgot. Mood, uh, emotional tone, obstacles, obst- power level, story hooks. Uh, obstacles. Yes. No, okay. That's the one I got. Mood, tone, both those I get. Maybe it was the change the power level one, but now I get that one. So never mind. Never mind. I think okay. I'm, I'm caught up. My bad. It's all good. Um, so yeah, so we're not supposed to get them out of trouble or endow them with something useful they didn't earn. Uh, so they're not there to save the day or give them a magic sword or whatever. Um, but I think, I feel like... One of the things I was thinking about, which is more responsive to his question, although we can think about this framework if it excites us, is that a friendly encounter is just somebody we're not fighting. It doesn't mean somebody that likes the PCs. It doesn't mean somebody that is on their side. It doesn't mean somebody truthful. Uh, And so it could be 
a person that has hidden information and you know the classic thing which i think is 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 all the side quest issues yeah i'll tell you that but you got to go you know pull my sword out of the <laughs> out of the well for me or whatever but i think i think there's more there interesting are rats ways. that are infesting the cellar that's, that's exactly like, if you not, go kill the rats, out of 10, rats in the cellar <laughs> um but I think I think the how do you befriend somebody who isn't friendly to you? I think how do you work with somebody who has a with whom you have a strong moral difference, right? I think those are all interesting encounters that are nonviolent and uh, don't don't do either of the things. They don't um, get the PCs out of trouble or endow them with something useful they didn't earn. Yeah, I, I like when you're talking about mood and tone. Um, one mechanic that's nice is you can do some foreshadowing where you mm. you you you, you uh, bring before the PCs some creature or NPC that's afflicted with something that is you know w- was done to them by the main baddie, main main monster, whatever, and then they've got to heal them or or, or do whatever needs done there to, to get this person upright. And then that they gain the knowledge of, oh, there's something that does this sort of thing. We better be ready to deal with something that, you know, uh, causes disease or something that, you know, turns yeah, people to stone yeah. or whatever. Right. So it's a way of transferring information about the world, about the enemy, but in a way that still requires them. They, they, they still yeah, have to figure out how to deal with it. Yeah. It's a puzzle or, solving. Or skill yeah. rolling or you know, use of magic yeah. or whatever. Yeah. The, uh, there was something else that just, popped in my head there on the same that was related to what you were saying of well we'll come back something will come back um i always enjoy putting in uh an unrelated npc that ends up becoming a concern um so like like a good example is you you have this group of adventurers and you have some like eh, you know teenage kid young kid that wants to follow them along and even when they shoo them off or whatever they come back in but maybe, you know, they're not the kind of person that, that, that or, or character type that wants to, like, join in the party. They just want to, like, watch from the distance and see what's going on, you know. Uh, but then you got that collateral damage possibility and all that. Yeah, you got you got to keep the uh, the journalist, the embedded journalist yeah. alive while you're going <laughs> through the, the, the dungeon or whatever. That that in fact exactly that was, in fact, what I was thinking of. So I'm glad I'm glad you got there um, is is a. Yeah, the, the challenge is keeping them alive, keeping them healthy or, or keeping them out of trouble or helping them be stealthy or whatever it is that. <laughs> yeah, you have the uh, the annoying bard, not to be redundant, but uh, following <laughs> the, the party around, you know, trying to record their epic in uh, in, in lyrical po- prose, you know. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, so I think that's some fun stuff that that makes the challenge bigger. Or, I mean, I suppose this would this would get annoying. Uh, but that can be fun too, potentially. Um, is you know maybe they're afraid of X, or you know they're, you know this is sort of the classic of I don't want to get my shoes dirty, but I have to go with you because my, you know whatever you know I'm you're you're taking me from A to B. That's your job, uh, and then you're doing the side quest all of a sudden because you have to, and now I'm along on the side quest, and I don't want to get my my you know I don't want to get mud on my <laughs> shoes or uh whatever and i think that's 
you know, those can all add interest too. I think in and of themselves, a lot of the, obviously the ideas we come up with are, are ideas that are pretty obvious because we're only thinking about them for a few minutes, but, <laughs> uh, but I think they're a starting point. And I think actually a lot of things can be done interestingly, even if the idea is an old, is an old one. Uh, here's a nice little twist here. Um, and, and this is not to downplay disabilities, but the, the next character they run into that might have information or, or might, you know, have seen something they need to know, make them blind, make them deaf, make them mute, you know, do one little twist like that where now you've got this, this, you know, obstacle that has to be worked around a way of communication or way of understanding that has to be established. Uh, and, and that's a fun playthrough for most characters to try to figure out, well, how can I relate this in a way that this person will understand or how can I understand what they're trying to relate? Well, that's even uh, if that makes you uncomfortable, that can also be a person from a significantly different culture, a different time. Right. So you bring in that person from the past to the future that can't explain things in the way that you're used to having them be explained. (laughs) And right. So they're trying to describe that gun to you and you're like, I don't understand what you're saying. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, no, I think that's true. I think that's a lot of fun. Uh, So the communication challenges. Um, So the question is, yeah interesting and engaging and some clever thinking yeah i think we've got there i mean i think and and i guess i mean i know the engaging part i think is to give them one uh one interesting personality and or voice thing you know so that you can't give them too many because then they they're just it's too hard to remember but i think you can give them one you know this is the person that always says deario or <laughs> you know or this is the person that always asks questions and whatever it is like uh, some sort of personality trait and it's a question of i mean one of the things i think that's i find hard to judge is which characters are the pcs going to like and which uh, ones are they not oh. going to be like right you know like oh man no we're not taking this guy this guy annoys us we're you know whatever we're gonna get him killed as first as possible edward i'm sure you know but there's a very easy way to tell which ones they're not gonna like any npc that you've written more than one sentence about forget about it man (laughs) dead instant (laughs) that's for sure Uh, (laughs) yeah we had uh in our um sinister secrets of salt marsh campaign uh this the same my home group that we're doing acquisitions inc with um way back when there was a guy we met that uh that backstabbed us Um, (laughs) i won't go into details but now every time we run into an npc uh you know even though we're completely different characters but the players are the same (laughs) we always just make a joke like is this another you know, I don't, I don't Carl know or whatever his name was. Whatever his name was, yeah, like, even another Edmund or whatever. Like, oh my god, <laughs> we're not, we're never taking anyone with us that we find in the dungeon again. <laughs> nice. Um, all right. Well, thank you, David. Um, yeah, that, was, that was very entertaining. I enjoyed uh, both your 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 room and your question. Both interesting. Absolutely. So this next one. All right, Jonathan Kurtz. <laughs> He writes, okay, here it is, simple yet. And then like seven pages later, later we get to the <laughs> end of it. So hold on, hold on, audience. As the characters enter the treasure vault, they see four innocent-looking monkeys sitting on the floor. Yes, there are four. Look it up. 
The first monkey is covering its eyes with its hands. The second covers its mouth. The third, its ears. And the fourth, its nether regions. When the party members completely enter the room, the monkeys slowly get up and climb on the adventurers' backs and wrap their arms around them. See no evil prefers to climb on a warrior type's back and tightly cover his eyes, blinding him. Speak no evil prefers a spellcaster and covers her mouth, silencing her. Do no evil climbs on a thief or warrior, wrapping all four limbs around his arms, binding them to his body. Hear no evil has no preference and will cover the chosen individual's ears, deafening her. The monkeys cannot be removed from the backs of their mounts, and no party member with a monkey on his back will be able to leave the vault. At this point, the party has a couple options. They can try to fight off the monkeys, but considering how tightly the monkeys are wrapped around their targets, the adventurers will take the same amount of damage as the monkeys while the monkeys bite on their attacks. Alternately, each monkey will willingly climb off the adventurers' backs if they can be tricked into doing what they individually are pledged not to. See no evil will need to be tricked into seeing evil. Hear no evil will need to be tricked into hearing evil, and so on. But the monkeys are old pros at this game, so the characters will have to be creative. So there you have it. Role play or role play. What will the adventurers choose to win the treasure? <laughs> and then he goes on with a whole completely other idea. I wonder if we each pick a three hit die monster from D&D and roll a quick oh, no, battle no, that between was, that, was that you? That was me. That was my suggestion for how we figure out which one of these guys. Oh, gets my God. That's tonight. you. I thought That's that was me, Jonathan yeah. Kurtz. No, sorry. I should have should have done some uh, better editing. Oh, there on the... sorry, sorry folks. Inside baseball here. I emailed out these, uh, H- these horrible messages. idea. And I thought I imputed it to Jonathan. I'm sorry. No. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so I, that makes perfect I, I, sense. I like this dungeon room. I, I think it's awesome. I like the uh, the puzzle monster kind of thing. Um, yeah. I, 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 I would have to, as a game master, I'd have to sit and kind of think about, like, what will I constitute as evil? Like, mm-hmm. you know, is uh, if a character, you know, mockingly steals something from another character with the full intent to give it back, does that count? You know, or does it, do they have to really do something that's, you know, harmful to the person or what have you? Um well, I was trying to think about, I mean, if, if the party is made of good characters, then if, if the monkeys are attacking them, are they evil? I mean, they're biting these characters. So is is and obviously hear no evil is going to hear it and see no evil is going to see it. And so I was trying to think if they're going to like, that part bothered me a little bit to, in terms of the setup. Um, but if, even if we ignore it, so we ignore that and, or maybe we, because I because the monkey who so you're putting, saying the monkeys are biting the characters. That's my understanding. Well, okay. monkeys Maybe. bite on their attacks. Well, the monkeys bite. Yeah, I, I feel like the monkeys. So see no evil jumps on the warrior and puts its hands over the warrior's eyes. And so that means the monkey now can see. Unless it closes its eyes. And then I think it bites the uh, the warrior on the neck. If I'm understanding this what? correct, no, I, I'm, I'm boy, I'm, I'm either missing it or, or so uh, covers the mouth. So we're, I, further I down, it says, on them and, let's see. So it says they can try to fight off the monkeys, but oh, considering so how, t- yeah, okay, the adventurers will take the same amount of damage as the monkeys while the monkeys bite on their attacks. I think that's only if they're being attacked. Like if you attack your monkey and then it starts going monkey on you, uh, it goes okay, ape but, on you. <laughs> it goes ape on you, and and then uh, and that's not evil because you attack them. Okay, yeah. I'll buy that. So they're just there. You're blind. You're deaf. You're you can't, you can't cast a spell. Um, 
And then you've got to, so the thing I often try to figure out on these things is how do you signal how to yeah, solve the problem? And yeah. And that's something that I do think, I mean, not for this one, like I, one of the other things I think about with NPCs as a fun way to have them in is they can be the sign of like, Ooh, this is what happens if you go in this room. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. little Johnny walk. Oh, Johnny just melted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so one, so thinking about how to how to signal to the players that this that they need to look, that this is a puzzle. I guess maybe that's the first step because once you think that it's a puzzle, then I think it might be fairly obvious to think about okay, how do we get rid of see no evil? Mm, maybe they have to see some evil. Um, yeah, maybe it's an illusion spell though. You could cast right. You wouldn't have to actually harm somebody. It could be a you could show a movie of some evil action. But yeah, I but, think I, I would want to set down parameters for myself just to be right. like this. This will constitute this will not. Um, and then the characters will come up with some treasury thing that circumvents all of it anyhow. But exactly. You know. Exactly. But um, I like it. This does sound cool. So basically, you've got to get these handcuffs off you before you can leave the room with the treasure. Now, I, I guess that that would be one thing I would want is is to put a pressure cooker on that. You know, you I, put a clock I, on. he says you can't leave, but but to me, I, I hate things that are like somewhat arbitrary like that. Yep. Well, why can't you leave? You know, well, you just magically reappear. Oh, okay, but but if there could be some other like, you know, why you need these monkeys off you and why you need them off you fast? Yep. Uh, I would like that. So so, Jonathan, yeah. that's homework, man. That's right. Hey, hit it, hit us with with version two. Do a rewrite. Get this straight. <laughs> why do they got to get the monkeys off their back, and why does it have to be pronto? And, and think about what rule set you're using, so that you can write it in a style that works well for that rule set. He he wants it in five e. I would like it in DCC. <laughs> <laughs> and then switch. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Uh, but no, that was fun. I I do enjoy those those puzzle monsters. I, I, I thank you for writing in. That's cool. Yeah, no, thanks. That was, that's fun. It was fun. And it's fun. Yeah. Just to have a bunch of different ideas here. So if any of you out there have more, send them in, send them in. And uh, like these three, if you send us any sort of communique, uh, you'll be entered into some prize drawings Uh, tonight. We're not going to do geek credit. So um, I don't know if we want to just get out of the way right now. Well, uh, I I got a, I got an official three-sided die here. Oh, excellent. So and, I have uh, a Pathfinder copy of Orcus on 34th level that I would be very excited to send out to somebody. This is by John Hook, who writes uh, some horror been on the stuff, program, talks about stuff. It. Yeah. Been here, yeah. Go, uh, I think it's like somewhere in the teens, like maybe 17, 18, something like that, uh, episodes. Uh, but yeah, talked about it. He's a great writer. Uh, it's one of the, it, when you ask someone about modern holiday adventures, that's always like one of the first I'd say top three that people mentioned. So uh, just in time for uh, Christmas. Um, Maybe. Let's see. We'll see Maybe. when it gets to the post office. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and we're looking at a number three. That would be Jonathan Kurtz. That's Jonathan. All, All right. right. All right. So, Jonathan, as soon as uh, Lou gets me your contact info, I will uh, send this out towards you. All right. And now Let's we see. enter the This Old Dungeon segment. Hey, buddy. Want to go for a ride in my flying car? Nah. How about we go fly around with our jetpacks? Nah. The future's just so boring. 
Is the future boring you too? Well, maybe you should listen into the Save for Half podcast. The podcast about old school gaming, where we take a look at old gaming books with fresh eyes. You can find us at saveforhalf.com or on iTunes or around the corner. Perhaps we're standing behind you right now. Don't look. This old dungeon. You're only supposed to blow the bloody doors off. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> it's been busy. We, we kind of talked about that at the beginning of the program. We didn't even know if uh, Bill would have time to do anything, so we tried to get the, the smallest thing we could to kind of look at and <laughs> Uh, we want something holiday-ish, uh, and uh, once again, Edwin to the rescue. Um, tonight we're looking at Taking Mass Day and New huh? Hope, which is a, uh, I would call it an encounter. It, it says that it's an adventure yeah. uh, for the, uh, uh, what was it, second edition of Gamma World, I believe. Sounds right. So this is out of Polyhedral Magazine. This was issue 15 of 1983. Um, it's just a two-page article. It's got some great Art. Jim Holiday artwork for the uh, the, the, the splash page, um, and this is by uh, James Ward. So you know the guy that's kind of the the uh, progenitor of Gamma World. Yeah. So this was uh, it's uh, Mass Day, and uh, I don't know if we started. Do you want to do any history on it, or should we just sort of talk about the uh, adventure? Well, or the I, I guess I, I did kind of look into uh, polyhedral. So okay. I, um, growing up, one of the first things I did when I first got into role playing uh, officially, um, I was a member of the RPGA. So that was the, the Role Playing Gamers Association. Um, and you could sign up. There were all these little inserts and about any product you got back in the day. And you'd write away, and for 12 bucks, you could become a member. And that meant that you would get the Polyhedron magazine. Uh, it was bi-monthly at the time that I joined. But I think before that, it was like just a few times a year, like three or four. I, I was excited to do this. My, a lot of my friends, uh, they subscribed to Dungeon or to Dragon, uh, but I was a whopping like 30 bucks at the time, which is mm-hmm. way out yeah. of my budget, you know? Mine too. So, uh, uh, but I really, I, I think too. now now that I've grown up and I've got copies of all those magazines, uh, or well, not all of them, but, but samples from all those magazines uh, in my collection, I really prefer Polyhedron because it was a, a this big, wide canvas of different games from different companies. Uh, it wasn't really so much of a house organ like he kind of found with, with Dragon and Dungeon. Um, not that they didn't have other games in them occasionally, but it was almost unanimously TSR product, whereas uh, right. this was not. This You could uh, call it Cthulhu was in there quite a bit, um, just all sorts of stuff. It uh, was first, the, the magazine was first published in 1981. Uh, it used to be like a really thin, uh, black and white, you know, few pages. What's the way? Very amateurish. You know, a lot of people <laughs> write writing in articles, and they the just boom right to the publishing. Uh, very little editing. Uh, but then uh, it's kind of attributed to Gene Rabe. Uh, he became editor right around issue thirty six, and that's where you start to see more like columns that are kept from from one magazine to the next. Things are better edited. Uh, they get into like having a color cover. Um, it just it just becomes kind of more of a professional production at the, that point. 
So uh, it goes on till I think 2003, I think was the last year it was published. And even then it was sort of published in tandem as part of the Dragon package. It kind of lost its own publication uh, prior to that. So hmm. you you can, oh, by the way, if, if you want to see this, and I have no idea the legal legality of this. So, uh, you know, please forgive me if this, I'm telling you to do something illegal. Check it out on your own what, what the laws are. <laughs> But the Internet Archive, archive.org slash details slash polyhedron will get you to an archive of all the magazines. Uh, and so you can kind of look through them and see what it was all about, if that's legal. <laughs> well, if they, it sounds like they posted the archive, right? They owned it. They posted it. Um. Yeah, I don't know. And then Internet Archive archived it. So, yeah. But but anyway, yes, yeah. we, we are not lawyers. It uh... <laughs> at your own risk. Exactly. Yeah. So this is a, uh, so you're in a, uh, what was it? A class. Uh, this was some stage one village. <laughs> stage one, yeah. I, I kind of like um, that. I, it, uh, you know, I'm a big yeah. MCC guy, but they don't really have, and this might be something to, you know, produce, but they don't really have any rules about villages and tech levels within villages and cultures. Um, so I kind of like that idea that, Oh, that, you know, have this somewhat simple classification system of, you know, what kind of tech a village has and, you know, how civilized uh, it is, so to speak. Right, how far it's come back from the great apocalypse. Um, so, yeah, so you're hanging out and you're uh, celebrating mass at the village of New Hope. Um, and you're you're celebrating this ancient uh, traditional rite and you don't quite know where it comes, but there's this tree of life and, you know, there's presents and lights and so forth. Um and then this, uh, well, so you're saying they're celebrating the... Hanukkah. Absolutely. Yep. <laughs> no, no, no. no. Absolutely. Kwanzaa, no. <laughs> what could this be? Uh, um, we were, we went, um, <laughs> we went to, uh, to Freeport, uh, over the weekend to, uh, uh, hang out with some, some family and did a little hike and walked around. And then we went to a bookstore and in the window was, uh, Benora. So it was a it was a ceramic banana that was a, a menorah with this that had eight, eight <laughs> candles. <candle. laughs> I almost couldn't resist it. Um, anyway, <laughs> yeah. So early in the morning, you're awakened by a noise, and who should appear? Uh, but eight shiny reindeer. I mean, robots. Um, <laughs> So yeah, this this uh, this robot sled, flying sled appears, and and then it's kind of up to the players. Yeah, it just so kind of sets the stage and hits falls. <laughs> yeah, and then what's interesting? So that that happens, and then there's as we said, it's only it's only a, it's really a one page adventure. It's one page plus about three inches, four inches on the other page. Yeah, it's most um, mostly our work on that other one. Yeah, yeah, and then there's about half of this page is basically the backstory it's something i tell authors never to do is to make <laughs> half your adventure the backstory uh, but it gives you the backstory it's even called gm's but, but, background but it's right? not box text at least it's, it's not, not a backstory of box tech or box that's text true. Of backstory yeah um but it basically says you know this there was this um robot manufacturing plant this automated plant and it just got melted out of the ice and it came back to life and it's making these robots and the robots kept getting killed. So it made them tougher and tougher. Um, it gave them weapons and armor and all that. And then we go in and basically we just get another 
paragraph, I think, which says if this if you're friendly to it, it gives out toys and it will talk to them and say, hey, what do you want next year? And then you're going to be disappointed next year. <laughs> it makes promises it cannot keep. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And then uh, or if you attack it, uh, it will fight back and. I'm not a huge, like, I don't know the system super well mm-hmm. here, but I think this is one tough cookie. Yeah, I, I'm not. This is a beast and a half. Yeah, like, like it's talking about double force fields and, uh, yeah. you know, uh, can withstand huge a nuclear dice. bomb and stuff like that. Yeah, you would just uh, get destroyed. I mean, the idea is that you would get destroyed mm-hmm. if you fight this thing. Um, each reindeer has its own missile launchers and Santa's got the missile. And then the sled, there's, there's three sets of enemies, right? There's the reindeer, there's the sled and there's the Santa bot and they all have their own crazy stuff. Mm. So it's this really weird kind of goes back to what we were talking about. If an NPC shows up and it, it comes in hot. So it definitely seems scary and violent. Yeah, like one of the main descriptions is he's got a, a laser rifle slung over his shoulder and a laser pistol in hand. Yeah. And so there's this question in my mind of what the most likely, you know, if you gave this to 20 tables or 50 tables, mm-hmm. how many of them would shoot and how many of them wouldn't? I mean, obviously, they're going to recognize <laughs> Who's the Santa. Han Solos of the tables? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And, yeah. and how totally, and if they do shoot, You've got as you know this crazy combat that you could work into some stuff, and then so I feel like we have two forks to go down. We mm-hmm. have three things to talk about. I think one is how do you set up the encounter, or what, what would you change about the setup of the encounter, and then if we're thinking of it as combat, and if we're thinking of it as as no combat, like then what are the things we might? I don't know. What were your first impressions on this I... this thing? To me, it's it's kind of like um, I don't know. I I felt like it was like somebody had a neat idea that they just didn't do much with. That like, yep. okay, you're gonna have this robotic Santa, and and they kind of try to make it make sense. They say, well, you know, uh, department stores in the far flung future used to you know buy this model to come in during Christmas and set up and and do the whole Santa thing. Um, and that's where the, the origin of this robot model comes from. Okay, okay, I'll buy that. Uh, but, like, just having it show up, uh, I I don't know that that's an adventure. It's an encounter. I, right. But you, I, I, go ahead. I just, there's there's breadcrumbs there. There's there's a yeah. lot of ways you could make it into an adventure. But in and of itself, I, I don't know that it's going to do that unless you can do a little leverage one way or the other for the, the, the characters to want to do something other than just fight it here and be done with it or, or to one of accept the, its gifts and be done. One of the things that I, so I was saying, I don't, you know, one of the things we tell authors, in fact, I just, just had this conversation with an author recently is, is you can't overload the backstory. Like, and, and to go one step further, if the, if the backstory doesn't land on the table, then it doesn't matter. Right. Yeah. Unless it's either got to help the GM make decisions or the players have to find out about it. And so what I started thinking about when I was thinking about that, I was like, well, obviously the thing that's interesting is that there's this factory. Yeah. So I want to get the players back to the factory. Um, and so I was trying to decide if, if the Santa was actually sent out to gather some people to come to the factory, maybe, you know, so there's these failed efforts 
from the factories automated. So the one, it's so much detail in here. <laughs> the uh, like the factory first uh, tried to. There were like yeah, three. Like, oh, yeah, so they first tried to get data from the uh, from the main. Okay, fairly funny. I'm gonna begin it searching its like memories for yeah, the robot. All the steps it's trying to figure out what's going on. All the all the places it contacts that it gets no answer right. from. No answers. And then and it so, finally says, "This is what it did." Yeah, then. whatever. Yeah. So I so I feel like maybe the the step that we skipped here is we're gonna send out and bring some people back to the factory to reprogram, to provide insight, to give us uh, leadership, whatever it is, mm-hmm. or maybe just to experiment on. Um, so I think that's that's the part that I think this is would make it a fun adventure. Yeah, I feel like the, the Santa has to have a purpose. Now, like you mm-hmm. can say, well, his purpose is to give gifts, but but that doesn't, yeah. it, it, there, there's no um, consequence of that immediately. I mean, you could make a consequence of that. You could uh, there could be something wrong with the gifts that, that causes mayhem. There could be, um, you know, it could create jealousy with other tribes. I, I I don't know, but but to me, that's not a very interesting event to happen. I, I'd rather see the Santa collect gifts to be like, oh, you know, I'm supposed to have a sleigh full of gifts. I've got to go, you know, hunt down these sort of items, and he takes them <laughs> from the village, and then you got to decide, like, you know, how, how do you get him back? Where's he going to? What's you know, uh. uh all right, so let's play off that. If if Santa is collecting gifts, then Santa's going to go to a bunch of villages. Mm-hmm. And so that means now wherever Santa goes back to is a treasure hoard. Yes. Right? So now the players could follow Santa from village to village and then eventually go back to Santa's home at the North Pole. <laughs> the Great Santa Hunt. The Great Santa Hunt and try to loot the heck out of the right recover all this stuff that's sort of this is sort of the uh and i i would even like if i would go on that route i would you know the 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 text talks about like several uh iterations of santa like the first Mm -hmm. one was flying around got destroyed like immediately then they made him a little tougher that got destroyed so i would start with that first iteration and i'd have it come to go get gifts you know all the characters blow it up no problem and then santa version two comes and he's a little tougher and he you know and eventually you're going against this, you know, super, Mark super seven man. Santa that can't be destroyed. Uh, and you got to hunt him down and see where he's taking your stuff. But I don't know. Go ahead. I cut you off, man. I'm sorry. No, that's that's cool. I like that idea of having the because, again, I want to see I want the players to experience the story. And in this mm-hmm. case, part of the story is this multiple versions of the Santa. And so, yeah, having them. I mean, it could even be you. Uh, you wake up one morning and you just see this explosion, right? So basically what you're seeing is the first Santa getting destroyed by some, whatever it is, a laser, I don't remember. And then, and then maybe the second Santa, you actually see, you know, the next day, oh, ooh, it's the 12 days of Christmas. Uh-huh. Oh, we're going somewhere now, folks. Right. Nice. So the first day you just have the explosion. The second day you see the Santa do a little bit more. The third day, this X3 model shows up and uh, and starts taking stuff or maybe there's whatever. Um, and then you've got, yeah, then you've got the mystery of how to get your stuff back. And that's the, the other thing I think is, is figuring out either how to destroy this super powerful thing or of course what the players would really want would be to take it over <laughs> Hijack uh, which would be yep. freaking awesome right imagine <laughs> having this thing at your disposal um or what i think would be 
most interesting would be that they have to figure out a way not to fight it straight up, but to get it turned off. Mm -hmm. And, you know, maybe that's maybe where that's where some of the Christmas rituals have to come. You have to convince it that it's no longer Christmas or whatever. I like that. One other thing I would do is it, it didn't make sense to me that this thing is is as is going to department stores. Like, you know, what kid wants to sit on a robot's lap? So I would mm, give it yeah. like synthflesh, flesh, e- even the reindeer. And that way you even get maybe one or two encounters where the characters think that this is an organic thing before oh. they realize it's a robot and, and they got to deal with all that, you know, yeah. that, that entangles. That's fun. That's fun. I like that. Yeah. You watch an amazement as nearly. Yeah. So the, the, that's what I didn't like. Yeah. This thing shows up and the people of the village just shoot at it and nothing happens. And there's just no way you're going to get from that to peace, I don't think. <laughs> I mean, not in a normal yeah. game anyway. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think there's some fun here to be had for sure. And the, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so you get some mystery, you get a little bit of fighty fight. You get the, oh, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, so there's a bunch of adventures, maybe not, I'm just making this up. Uh, where you know somebody shows up and steals the the something from the altar, right? Mm-hmm. There's some particular icon that keeps this village safe, and it's got stolen in the middle of the night, and you have to go to the goblin cave or the the you know the frog people cave or whoever it is that took it, and you got to <laughs> rescue the thing and bring it back so the village is safe. And I feel like this, you know, this so depending on what they take from the village, you know, is it simply that we want to get our treasures back or are they actually, you know, maybe maybe Santa takes the tree, right? I and mean, we've got this tree that we just put all our, our prized possessions on to decorate it because we don't have very much. And so we decorate this tree with all our, our old broken DVDs or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and then Santa comes and just grabs the tree and and uh, gets out of here. Um, Yeah, that seems pretty good. Yeah, I like that. And I like the 12 days of Christmas. If you get a parallel to that, that'd, that'd be pretty fun. I, like I think that. we could work that in. And yeah, and I guess, and I don't know if we'd want to work in the, the song or just the 12 days, like just the, just the countdown. Thematically that there's, like, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. It'd be hard like, to do the song. A lot of birds, a whole lot of birds. Right. You'd get, you'd get overworked, I think. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, and then I don't know, back at the factory. Well, I guess that's, so, so maybe... Maybe that's what it is. Maybe we've so on day three, we've got this X3 version, which is already pretty nigh indestructible. And so you can imagine what the X12 is going to be like, mm-hmm. right? It's going to take over the world. If X12 actually makes it, we're done for. <laughs> so we've got to basically end Christmas early. We've got a short change, short, short circuit Christmas somehow, or get the factory turned off, or do something so that the X12 does not see the light of day. Um, I think that could be a nice because that gives you a an active goal up at the factory where you have to figure out how things are working, where the weak links are, how to get by security. You know, it's a heist. You got a heist film, a heist adventure part of it in right there. there. Yeah. Uh, and then part of your reward is maybe you end up with an X four, uh, as you know, that you can fly around in until it runs out of fuel, and you know when your GM gets tired of you being able to fly around. <laughs> what did I give you? Damn, what was I thinking? <laughs> what was I thinking? You got a sled and four shiny reindeer? What? 
Uh, yeah, so I think I don't know anything else to. Uh... I, I uh, man, no, I I think that that hits the sweet spot where it's gone from being just an encounter to, to being an adventure. Um, you know, you know, you got you got some intrigue there, you got some combat there, you've got you know the puzzle out, you know, figuring out how we defeat something that's that's next to impossible to defeat. Um, Flamethrower, mini missile launcher. <laughs> <laughs> this thing's crazy. Yeah. yeah, no, I agree. I think it's a short, a short encounter and we can punch it up just a little bit to make it a, uh, you know, obviously I think you'd want to make it into a, a, a one session, right? It wants yeah. to be eight hours. If you're going to play a Saturday around the holidays. Well, yeah, I was going to say, yeah, being a holiday hours. game, you, that's, that's a, you know, holiday party sort of setting. So yeah, mm-hmm. that, that sounds good. Quick, short. I think, I think this is plenty for that. Yeah. So yeah, go check it out and then uh, make up your own adventure around it no. or use one of ours I, 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 any thoughts of uh could, could it be flipped into a fantasy world or any other uh setting other than a future or post-apocalyptic trying to think of what the fantasy analog would be right so they're now they are like pegasi or something yeah Maybe i mean it could be uh... one of the old gods right coming to life i mean that's sort of the and in, in, in some kind of twisted way that's sort of the overpowered aspect of a fantasy world yeah, like like uh maybe uh, like an avatar that in the god keeps uh anytime the avatar gets destroyed the god's kind of you know putting a little more of his or her energy into the avatar to make it a little more powerful yeah or maybe it's and a some... uh some creation of a wizard who's Ooh. i don't know like maybe gone insane or something yeah huh. i mean the wizard part well maybe maybe it's like a, a golem or something well, i guess that's yeah. your wizard creation but but I like I like yeah because that that still would bring you back to the wizard's lab right where the thing is as opposed to if it's a god and an avatar, well now where are you going to go to take care of the problem right now? <laughs> <laughs> I mean now you're now you're looking at finding the secret right to assuage the god so that they no longer produce this this hor- horrific reindeer thing. <laughs> uh, but if it's a mad wizard, you you definitely make it back to the wizard's tower and figure out again how to how to turn off their and i do like so one of the things yeah i do like the fact that this factory is in a was in a glacier that melted out like that's that's always a fun you know having yeah. this old thing that's been there for a long time and so what's the fantasy well, just of that? the idea of you know that, or... that brings to mind like you know that the icy voyage you know to the the heart of the glacier that's melted out the, the mm-hmm. rooms full of ice water and, and frozen controls and things that you can mess oh, with that are yeah it's got a, a nice little ambience to it so yeah mm-hmm. yeah and i and i can see it as a um you know as a creature from from beyond right so maybe a call of cthulhu type a horror adventure where this is just some you know this would be sort of the the christmas horror of some sort so <laughs> that you know the, the trick is in the description of it so it has to be horrific and so that but the players realize it's you know santa and the reindeer but the characters are sort of seeing it as some alien mm-hmm. creature and again the, the trick is to figure out how to keep it from getting more powerful over each of the 12 days how to keep it from uh taking over the earth and or destroying the earth or whatever it is it wants to do Who knows? what about like doing a uh like a black peter thing where uh you know there's all those cultures where it's you know there, there's a negative version of santa claus that comes and punishes the wicked and, and so you have this demonic spirit or whatever that, that 
comes on, you know, the Christmas Eve and is killing people and stuff. And I don't know. Yeah. So maybe, maybe, um, maybe either for the fantasy or, or for the sort of, uh, uh, 20s horror or whatever, but maybe the actual, the good Santa, whatever that is, has been locked up somehow, or maybe, maybe normally, maybe the, maybe the bad Santa was prison was imprisoned, right. In this Mm -hmm. ice thing by the, and, and escaped, and the good Santa has been left behind in the prison. And so now we've got to get back to um, to the ice palace and rescue the good Santa because that's the creature that's powerful enough to stop the bad Santa or, you know, whatever yeah. the, the analogs are. So there could be something fun there. And we want to do it in time. We got to do it before Christmas ends because if, if bad Santa makes it through the 12 days, then bad Santa becomes the power. And right then, then good Santa's locked away for, for who knows how long. And it's bad Santa's turn to, to run Christmas. Or, for or maybe it's just years. like, maybe it's just like this dude from Halloween town that oh. just wants to like, you know, get a feel for Christmas for, you know, a year. I think the Halloween town just dressed <laughs> up like Santa. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe He's some kids costume. from that town kidnap Santa. To make yeah. it, you know, possible. <laughs> man, I'm just, man, I'm firing on all cylinders tonight, guys. <laughs> Both of them. So creative. <laughs> uh, sounds good. Awesome. Sounds good. All right. Um, I, I think that's it for the program tonight. I, you got anything I else so. to add? I do so not. Folks, uh, I do. I do. Oh, I yes. want to wish oh. people a, a very oh. happy uh, happy Thanksgiving or December, November, whatever, whatever's up your, up your alley. Day, I don't know what, what's around. I don't know what else is going on in the world. This comes out just around so, Thanksgiving, uh, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, it should be happy released. Uh, actually on Thanksgiving, this, this is us showing our gratitude to you, the listener. This will be released on Thanksgiving. So, hey, thanks listeners. And thanks Luke. <laughs> <laughs> thanks to you. All right. Um, reminder, uh, the ninth, uh, you don't have to listen to us knuckleheads run games but at least listen to somebody get on that uh, DCC Mayhem Twitch channel, uh, spread some joy into the world, help some help some folks out that uh, are in desperate need of of cures. Uh, you know, cancer touches about everybody's life in some way, shape, or form. So, listen to that, donate to that, uh, stir the pot, uh, do some crazy antics with your donations. That's all you I know. Got. That with with the right donation, the X three will show up in any of our games. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Request it by name. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> and if they don't know what it is, you tell them to look it up. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I'll take All right. care. Take care. Bye. So Bill wasn't able to join us for the regular episode, but he was kind enough to kind of write down his answers for all the different segments and send them my way. So uh, here you go. Hello, all you fantastic this old dungeoneers. It's Bill with his post podcast post. Unfortunately, I could not make the most recent podcast and thought I could still jump in and provide my colorful and inspirational insight. Stop laughing, please. So here goes. Hey Bill, what'd you do in gaming last month? Against all odds, I actually did a great deal of gaming. Of course it helps I was at Gamehole Con and LomCon over the past month. At Gamehole, I was able to run a playtest of an upcoming project for next year, Gamma X. That was about all at Gamehole, as it's a busy con for us at Paysetter running our booth, meeting with some wonderful people who work for us, networking, planning. Long Con's a different story. I run a classic D&D tournament. 
This year we did the second level of the Palace of the Vampire Queen, complete with Dwarven Forge terrain setup. Three sessions spanning Thursday and Friday. I also played in a Friday night Battletech and Crashus Maximus chariot racing. My driver, Trashus Maximus, managed to inflict some damage causing uh, I'm sorry, using Caltrops and his battle whip before his light chariot, a poor choice on my part, was wrecked. Letters to the HOA John Williams asks, What is my favorite movie and my thoughts on an IP mashup? Out of many, I'm going to go with Escape from New York. As far as an IP mashup, I'm going to go with Abbott and Costello meet Sherlock Holmes, probably in The Hound of the Baskervilles. David Gross writes about how you can make a friendly encounter interesting and give an example. I'm going to hit the Wayback Machine and channel an encounter selection from an early Paysetter product called The Lost Caravan. The PCs find a reclusive architect living a hermit life on an island. He has a massive treehouse that the PCs need to explore, well, because they're PCs. There are traps of all kinds, and just scaling the tree is a challenge. Jonathan Kurtz delivers a great letter with a trick trap encounter dealing with the four monkeys. Hear, see, speak, and whatever. No evil. I like the idea and think the monkeys bestowing a quest of some kind would be fun. Each could focus on a single adventure encounter with the du- within the dungeon. This Old Dungeon, Mass Day by Jim Ward. This is a Gamma World adventure, albeit a very short, at least first or second edition Gamma World. The setup is a small town is celebrating Mass Day, giving presents and having a tree that's decorated in the center of the town. No one knows the origin of the tradition, but the townspeople enjoy it. At least until a robot shows up on a mechanical flying sleigh pulled by eight robot reindeer armed with missile launchers. Santa Robot blasts his way into town only to give out his toys to the kids. He makes a list of what the uh, townsfolk want for the next year and then leaves. That's pretty much the adventure. So there really isn't much here to work with. It's more of an adventure hook than an adventure. I think I would have the PCs battle Santa Robot and his missile launching reindeer. A short battle ending in a draw finds the PCs confronting Robot Santa, a jolly old robot. He quickly endears himself to the small community by distributing toys to the children and various items to the adults. Robot Santa's actual nefarious plan is kidnapping the children to work at the North Pole. His workshop... The toys distributed by a nefarious robot Santa have special mind-controlling modules that compel the children of the village to secretly leave in the middle of the night and head to the North Pole. The populace awake the next morning to find the children gone. The adult gifts emitted a brain-affecting wave that kept the adults asleep all night. Now it's off to the North Pole to find the children and stop robot Santa. The end. Er, uh, the Omega. Happy Thanksgiving! That's it, folks. I hope you have a special and relaxing Thanksgiving. Thanks for listening, and in this case, reading to us at This Old Dungeon. Special thanks to my illustrious co-hosts, Edwin and Lou, for getting it done. Back at you, Bill. Thanks for the ride-in. That does make it feel more complete. And uh, hopefully we'll all catch each other here in, uh, what is it, December, I guess, our next episode. Looking forward to being there with you guys. Take care, folks. You have been listening to This Old Dungeon, a podcast about reviewing and renovating great adventures and rule sets from throughout the annals of gaming. 
The views expressed by the hosts are simply that, and shouldn't be taken with any serious amount of gravity. This program is copyright 2023. Happy gaming!